want to talk to you today about the two kinds of life and which kind is worth pursuing. I want to start with just a word to our community. We have a website now that is up and running. You can go online and check it out. Big thanks to Tim Williams and a team of folks that were involved in putting that together. Can't even imagine how you do that. And I also want to say a big thank you to everybody who has volunteered to be part of our prayer team. I felt in the deepest seasons of our life, the power of folks praying for us to keep life moving forward in ways that were very palpable. And um, it's very inspiring to me. And there are so many deep stories in the people that God is bringing together through this journey. Um, uh, one of the comments that got made that has a request in it this week was from a man, uh, after I talked about Semen Rushdie and the attempt on his life. And uh, the man who wrote this comment uh, was from Egypt, a Coptic Christian. So he said he was persecuted for his Christian faith in Egypt for 30 years, moved to Canada, where you would think now he would be embraced for his Christianity, but he said actually he found quite a lot of exclusion because of his race, whatever that's about that he said. And it's like, you know, Jesus actually grew up in Egypt when he was a kid. Israel's next door to Egypt. Jesus were a lot, looked a lot more Egyptian than Canadian, eh? Um, uh, but then also because he's a, an Orthodox Christian, Coptic Christianity is a form of Orthodox Christianity and not Protestant like the church that he went to. Uh, he has experienced exclusion and discrimination uh, in Canada of all places. And, you know, it struck me like I'm a Protestant. Protestantism didn't come around until 1500 years after Jesus. Coptic Christianity, it, it's thought that it goes back to Mark within a decade or two of Jesus' life in Egypt. Like we owe a huge debt of thanks to that branch of the church. And so I wanted to say to all of us, you know, we're not a church. We're not a local church. I love the local church. Hope you're a part of one. Nance and I are. But we are a community. And for some reason, for some reason, we seem to find ourselves together in deep places. I had a long conversation last night with a friend, somebody who is a part of our community, who is at a desperate place of, I can't, I can't, I can't, but he can. And finding that in ways that are um, devastating and beautiful. And so we care for each other, and I hope you'll be a part of that. And I hope, whether it's things like, um, in the comment section or getting together with other people to talk about what you're experiencing together with God for us to be the fellowship of the withered hand is a good thing. Now, I want to talk about uh, two forms of life. Andy Crouch has written a book called The Life We're Looking For. And he talks about a friend of his who was a relatively young man uh, who had a terminal disease. And he walked with him as he died. He had four children under the age of 10. And he says during that last week of his life, he would drive home some nights cursing and shouting at God. But the last night as I drove away, it dawned on me that there was only one word that could really capture the fullness of what we experiencing. That word was blessing. At first, the thought struck me as strange. This word and its Instagram hashtag, uh, hashtag blessing, has come to be used for moments of peak delight and frankly, peak privilege. What I was experiencing and witnessing was nothing like that. My friend was dying. His wife was going to be a widow. His children were about to lose their father. 
His life, which had been the very picture of creative love, was being cut short in the midst of all the good he had done and could do. And yet, God was mysteriously but undeniably present that week. Love was tangible, direct, and practical. Life was raw, but also real, in a way that those of us who live in the bubble wrap of affluence, telling phrase, so rarely experience. And then Andy goes on to contrast that. He says, most of my life has been something much smaller than blessed. My life has been charmed. Those are the two lives, the blessed life and the charmed life. Charmed, Andy writes, is a pagan word, a magical word, a word from fairy tales. To be charmed is to be magically held apart from harm, endowed for a time with a bubble of prosperity and power. For one evening, Cinderella is charmed. Aladdin's lamp is charmed as long as he has wishes left. The sorcerer's apprentice for a few hours managed to charm the broom. Sleeping Beauty marries who? Prince Charming. Snow White marries Prince Charming. Cinderella marries Prince Charming. What's up with Prince Charming? This guy's a bigamist, a trigamist. It's like, yeah, why do we have our kids watch that kind of stuff? Anyway, uh, and he goes on. Most of what gets tagged hashtag blessed should be tagged hashtag charm instead. Youth is a charm. Beauty is a charm. Words and numbers came easily to me in childhood. I found myself good at school in a way that deceived me so deeply for so long about what it meant to be truly good. That too was a kind of charm. And I thought as I read that about how much of my life has fit into that category. Because I was pretty good at school, not as good at Andy, but pretty good. I married above myself. My wife says all men marry above themselves. I had three kids and a dog and avoided uh, a great deal of the pain and the devastation that is part of the daily life for billions of people on this planet and often didn't give it much thought as if I deserved it or was entitled to it. It was a kind of charmed life. And over the last few years, what I am learning about is discovering the blessed life when the charmed life is no longer available. And he writes about uh, the story of Jacob who, when he was younger, charmed his mom. He was his mother's favorite boy, and he was able to wheedle out of his father a blessing that he seemed to treat more as though it was another guarantor of a charmed life. He would be prosperous, and he would beat out his brother. And then he suffers much, and much deeper into his life, he wrestles with God, and what he says to the angel in that strange wrestling match is, I will not let you go until you bless me. The blessed life is available to you today. Maybe not the charm life, but the blessed life. I was reading a fascinating book on what's called cruciformity, cross-shaped living by a man named Gorman. And he talks about the apostle Paul and uh, another really interesting word, charisma. Uh, that word charisma is used in two ways. In a general sense, it means somebody who is attractive and persuasive and compelling and has a dynamic 
magnetic personality. We all want to follow charismatic leaders. Decades ago, John Kennedy kind of defined that category. Everybody would like to have that to be that person. And then there's charismatic in the religious sense, in the spiritual sense. Charisma is related to the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Someone who is uniquely particularly close to God, led by God, guided by God, empowered by God. Now, in the ancient world, those two senses of the word charisma generally went together. And if you claimed to be anointed by the gods, it would be uh, displayed in your charmed life, in your magnetic, dynamic personality. And then this man, Paul, comes along. And he is the uncharismatic charismatic. He had nothing like that kind of attractive, magnetic, uh, compelling, physical presence. In fact, he says, when he writes to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 10.10, 10, um, uh, he says, uh, you say about me, his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is unimpressive or weak, and his speech is contemptible. The oldest description we have of Paul, this goes back to a document in the second century, is that he was a man of small stature with a bald head, crooked legs, with eyebrows meeting, and a nose somewhat hooked. We don't know for sure, but that's the oldest description we have. That's not central casting. That ain't George Clooney. That's the uncharismatic, charismatic Paul. And not only did he say that his lack of general charisma wasn't a problem for him. He says it's precisely in his weakness that he did not have that kind of impressiveness from a human perspective that allowed God to use him the way that God used him that made it really clear this is God at work and not just people. So today, let's try this. Not to hunger for, ask for, pursue the charmed life, but the blessed life. When God began his whole community with a man named Abraham, he did not say, I will give you a charmed life. He said, I will bless you, and all the peoples will be blessed through you. So today, look for God's blessing and be grateful. Offer your blessing and be generous. You were made to count. Make today count. See you next time. Thanks for joining us here at becomenew.me. If you'd like to receive the daily emails that go along with each video, let us know at becomenew.me at gmail.com. Or if you want prayer, you can text us at 855-888-0444.